0: Good morning. Good morning. Everybody's awake, I hope. I don't really have any announcements except for one from Tabitha. Y'all are lopsided. Everybody's over on this side this morning. So what what do you want who what are we do what are we doing next Sunday? What are we gonna eat? Y'all wanna cater from Daniel Boone or y'all wanna cook it? Told you, nobody's gonna say anything. Okay, all right. Turn your Bibles over, John three sixteen. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> it's so the the three weeks ago when we started, told you we was gonna kind of do a little series. All I want for Christmas. So first was all I want for Christmas is joy. Last week was all I want for Christmas is a Savior, and today all I want for Christmas is love love that's that's uh we all need it we have to have it if you've never experienced love before you don't know what you're missing and i i I, there's several types of love and we'll talk about one specifically but just the love that you experience from your children the love that you receive from your kids mine are at home by the way if you can if you notice it's quiet back here in the corner uh abby's got the rona so she's quarantined um And then Paisley's just not feeling the best this morning, so she stayed at home too. But the love that you feel from your parents, the love that you feel from your friends, the love that you get to receive back from your church family, the love that you receive back, if it's, uh, just go back to when you first started dating and the first time that you ever said I love you to your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Think about that, that feeling that you got, and it was like a, it's like a relief. Like you said it and you're like, oh man this that warm fuzzy feeling all over me you didn't know what it was like that type of love you've experienced love from your parents in the past and your family but to have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you be able to say that and then it grows and it goes into. Um, an engagement, and then it goes into marriage, and then it goes into growing a family, and so that love grows. Love is one of the greatest things that we can ever experience, and the love of Jesus is the greatest love that you will ever experience. That's why we're in John three sixteen. If you've never experienced love, that's what, that ought to be at the top of your Christmas list this morning. All I want for Christmas is love, because Jesus has plenty, and he never runs out and he's he's willing and able to to share it with you give it to you uh, anybody that wants it some of y'all might not remember this it's a little bit before your time but back in 1967 there was a song that came out y'all probably some of you we all know it or have heard it but it wasn't we wasn't around when it came out and it's a beatles song and john lennon wrote it and it's all all we need is love so y'all, we're not going to sing it this morning. Don't worry about that. But all, all we need is love. All you need is love is actually the name of it. All you need is love. And that, that song, when you, when you listen to it, I actually listened to it a couple times yesterday just to kind of get it in my head, what it was about, what, why. And then, of course, me being the nerd that I am, started doing a little research. Why? Why would they write a song like that? Well, here's what I come up with. They wrote it during the Vietnam War era. And that was one of the things that this country and other countries needed at the time was we needed love. We needed some encouragement. We needed a reminder of something that's very simple. We needed a reminder of what love is. And, and um, the two reasons that I found online because of why they wrote this was, number one, it was the Beatles. So if they sneezed, it was a number one hit. That's just the way it was. I've always said that if Tim McGraw could sing Barney the Purple Dinosaur, it would be a number one song. Well, they was a lot like Tim McGraw back then. They could sing anything and make it a number one hit. But the second thing, the second reason it was so popular, and that's what's going to bring us to John 3.16, it's a simple message. All you need is love is a simple message. We needed that reminder of a simple message. John 3.16 is one of the most simple messages that we can find in the Bible. All you need is love is the most simple message probably that has ever been sung. But this morning we're going to look at one simple verse, John 3, 16, and it's going to tell you that all you need is love. If you've got your Bibles, y'all are going to get to join me this morning. Stand with me, and we're going to say this together because I ain't got to hear y'all in a while. You might not even need your Bible. All right, you ready? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, this morning we want to come to you and thank you for that love that was bestowed upon us. Thank you for the love that you had for your people here on earth. Lord, your love for your Son to send him down as a sacrifice for us. God, we thank you for the love that we feel. We thank you for the love that we feel in this presence of you this morning. We thank you for the love that's felt in this church and for the love that is shown in this church. God, we thank you for the ones that make this place up. Father, I pray today we honor you in whatever's said and done. Lord, we just want to thank you, uh, God, for those that are here. Father, we pray for those that are not here, those that are still traveling, uh, those that are with, those that are sick and shut in this morning. God, just be with them and encourage them and keep them safe as they do travel. Father, we thank you for that salvation that we have. Thank you for offering, again, your son as the perfect gift for us this Christmas holiday. Lord, we just thank you for all your many blessings. And Lord, I pray that again that you just be with us through this service. All will your son's name, we pray. Amen. Have a seat. John three sixteen. Love it. Everywhere you go, there it is. I was thinking about all the places I've seen John three sixteen. Going Going down 421 at the house... Uh, through violence there's a couple billboards and some of the local churches get together every year and they pay the fee to have a billboard or two billboards down 421 to have scripture on these billboards year-round year-round and one of them a couple years ago was john 3:16, because we need to know it. we need to re- we, we kind of just like today you guys didn't probably didn't have to look at your bibles you just quoted it because we know it but that's the problem we know it we don't read it and we don't we, we just read it actually we don't really break it down and look at what, the, what it really means. What, what are those words? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We just quote it and go on because that's the one Bible verse that everybody knows in the world. But we just don't look at it the way that we're supposed to. This is the most simple but the deepest verse probably in the Bible. I think this verse was given to us to know the facts that we need something simple. We needed something simple. So we can quote this. And we can tell people about it because it is that simple. It's so simple that kids can learn it at four and five years old and keep it with them the rest of their life. It's a simple verse for each one of us. The word love that John used here was the Greek word agape, and I know y'all are probably tired of me preaching on agape love, but that's what this love is, for God so loved the world. It's an agape love, for God so loved the world. For when God loves, God has an agape love and a big love. It's a God-sized love, a love that we can't give, but we can receive. We can try to live or love as, as godly as possible, but we'll never hit that mark of agape love, but we can love and get really, really close to it. We can show that love to other people. And agape love is a love that it has no conditions, it has no restraints, and it doesn't matter if somebody loves you back. Have you ever thought about that kind of love? When it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you ever thought about that word love? When we love somebody, we expect them to love us back, don't we? We do. How do you think a marriage works? One person loves and the other doesn't? No, that's an unequal yoke. It doesn't work that way. That's how relationships work. When you love your brother, they love you back. When you love your sister, they love you back. When you love your spouse, they love you back. But an agape love, a God-sized love, doesn't expect the other person to love them back. That's a fact. God loves everybody, for God so loved the world. God loved the world. God loves the world, but does the world love him back? No, they don't. Some of us do, but some of them don't. That's what an agape love looks like. It's a love that only God can give, and he doesn't expect that love back. He would love to have it back. But he's not going to receive that love back from everybody. That's free will. It's totally up to that person if they're going to love God or not. That's the difference in the agape love and the love that we have here on on earth towards others. Now, I'm going to look at five facts about love this morning. First thing we're going to look at is real love is always a copy of the Father's love for us. Real true love is a copy of the Father's love for us. In life, we tend to, to look for role models and mentors, someone who can help us become better at what we are, what we're doing. We need those people in our lives, actually. We need role models. I can't think of a better role model when it comes to love than Jesus because he loved all. You, you look at where he, he was whenever he walked on this earth. Did he stay in the synagogues all the time? Did he stay on the boat all the time? Where was he? He was always out and about mingling with sinners. He was always around and he was loving people no matter who they were no matter what their sin was, no matter where they came from, didn't matter if they were from Ethiopia, if they were from Judah, if they were from Israel, it didn't matter if they was from Egypt. He didn't care where they was from. He didn't care what color skin they was or what job they held or any of that stuff. He didn't care. He just says, I love you. Folks, what a role model it is right there for us to follow. Jesus says, I love you. No matter warts and all, he says, I love you. No matter what you look like, I just love you. There's a role model for us right there. I love meeting with other pastors. I love, like when we went to Israel back this year, it was a group of pastors got together, and we got to spend 10 days together, and we got to eat together, and we got to fellowship together, and we got to pray together, and we got to eat some more together. I'll throw that in there a couple times, because we ate a lot. That's what Baptists do. But we ate, and we had this time of fellowship, and we had this this time to bond together which is great but mostly we got to learn from each other when you take a mix of of men like went with us i mean you got me you got bob garbett and you got me that's a big that's a, a big mix right there and some of the others that went with us philip green <laughs> y'all can laugh he's not going to watch this that's you know there there's a, a mix of people there and we learn from each other the Bible tells us over in Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen. it says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That's, that's what we did. We sharpened each other. We, we, we spoke, we talked, we prayed. There was times there may have been eight of us together, but two of us may have went off to the side because we needed to talk. There may have been times when there's eight of us together, but three or four of us went off to the side because we needed to talk. We needed to learn from each other. We needed to study. We needed to pray together. We may have had some personal things come up that just a few of us knew about. We needed to get together because the Bible says, Iron sharpeneth iron. Iron sharpens so we all walked away more effective. When iron sharpens iron, you will walk away from that conversation a lot more effective in your ministry than you can ever imagine. Iron sharpens iron. It's exactly what Jesus did for three and a half years with the disciples. That's exactly what Jesus is doing right now with each one of us. He's sharpening us through our Bible study, through all that we're doing in the church or whatever you do at home. He's sharpening us. Jesus knew that an effective ministry was a lot better with 12 men than it was 100. Because 12 together could get a lot more accomplished because it was more personal. He had time with the 12 where he could stay with them and make it personal. Have you, It'd be like Kristen over here. Bless your heart. I don't know how many kids are in your class. No, not Travis. You, not, not because you live with him. How many kids are in your class? 20. Can you try? Would you be able to be an effective teacher with 100 kids? Not with 20. <laughs> there's, there's a ratio out there. That you have far exceeded there it sounds like I know with Harden Park some of the, the teachers were talking about um, their numbers were dropping so they've got a ratio I think one to six for the EC classes for the special needs classes one to six when they get to one teacher and five kids then they lose that teacher's assistant so they need when they have uh, for every six students to have one teacher in there so every five students, I'm sorry, every five students are one teacher. So when that sixth one came in, then they brought in a a teacher's assistant, which was great. They need need help. So with us, or I'm sorry, with Jesus here, he said, I'm more effective of a teacher if I've just got 12 that I can really focus on. I can put more time into these 12, and then when these 12 are ready to go, we can send them out, and they'll be more effective with their smaller groups because that's the way it works. Smaller groups are more effective. you can be more personal with them. And so Jesus knew for those three and a half years that he had disciples there, he was going to be more effective. He said, "I can accomplish more with these 12 than I can with a 100. I can accomplish more with these 12 than that multitude or those 3,000 or those 5,000 that are back behind me. I'll do more with 12 than I will do with anybody else." because I can share, I can show love. We can be, an, it's an intimate group, and we can just have this love, and we can sharpen iron together for three and a half years because he loved them. Not that he didn't love 100 people, but he loved those 12, and, and they could feel it. They could feel it. that Bible study we did a few months ago on, on those 12 ordinary men. i get that one right. That was great because we got to see the type of people that Jesus was dealing with. The second thing we'll look at is love is a gift that demands a response. Love is a gift, and it demands a response. Don't sound right, does it? There are many ways you can show somebody that you love them. We can say it. I love you. Love you. That's usually how we we'll do it. Love you. And we we'll go on. We can say it. But we can show it through our actions as well however you want to do it but i think we all agree that love demands a response if i say i love you nine times out of ten we want that person to say i love you back i'm the world's worst if maria's here she'd tell you right now she'll say love you and i'll, I'll hang up i don't say i love you back as often as i should that's just that's bad on my part i know but but when somebody says i love you you want to hear it. it, it that, those words demand that response. You want to hear it back to confirm it. You know what? I love biscuits and gravy. And to show I love it, I'm going to eat it. That's the way you, you might like chocolate. If you like chocolate, if you love chocolate, it, your response is to eat that chocolate. So that's that's our response to love, is to, to take it. And we, things, we love things. We buy things. We collect things. We love things, so we're going to buy things and collect things. So we're going to show that love. God loved us so much that he did one thing. We just read it. God loved us so much that he did one thing. He gave. He gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's how you show love it demanded a response so God's response to his love for us was he gave us his son he gave us Jesus Christ that's 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 a gift that's love right there just giving us a gift from heaven a gift from above he gave himself he stepped out of heaven and he gave his life for us for me and you each one of us why because love prompts us to give He could have stayed in heaven. God could have sat up there in heaven for now, up all the way up to now, and said, I'll I'll give you a gift someday. But right now is just not the time. But what he did is he said, now is the time. And so he said, I love you so much. I'm going to give you my son. I love you so much. I'm going to come down in the form of man, and I'm going to tarry on that earth with you guys for a little while because I love you and because you need me. Because love prompts us to give. The third thing, real love is not complete until we give it away. The, the Gaither gospel, or Gaither, whatever, the, I don't like Bill Gaither, but anyway, that Gaither, whatever his group is. It's a show. He's about as fake as Paul Osteen. That, that group sings a song called Give It Away. And, and, and that's the way I think about our love is we don't need to hoard up our love. We've got to give it away. God could have sat up there on the throne and hoarded up all his love. He said, no, I don't need to do that. I'm going to give all my love away. I'm going to give it away. Our children, all of us with kids, grandkids, whatever, nieces, nephews, we could just hoard up our love and never show these kids a drop of love, never say I love you, never give them a gift. That's, that makes them a bitter person. And I know that for a fact, because I've experienced that. Where you don't hear somebody that you love tell you that, you that they love you back. And you go your whole life and you never hear the words, I love you, come out of their mouth. That makes you a bitter person. It probably makes them a bitter person. Well, they are a bitter person for not saying that. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave that love. You're never more like God when, than when you give or forgive. When you give your love or you forgive someone else, that's about as close to being, I hate to say it like this, but that's about as close to being like God as you'll ever become because that's what he does. He loves unconditionally and he forgives unconditionally. That's what we're to do. If we're going to be Christ-like, if we're going to love others the way that he has loved us, we have to love unconditionally and we've got to have to forgive those are two of the hardest things for a human being to do right there. It's to love somebody that seems to be unlovable and to forgive somebody that's done you wrong. And God can do that for us. God forgives us where we fail him, and he loves us every time we fail him. And it never changes with him. God never changes. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. tomorrow. The next day, the next day, 2022, 2023, 2024, it don't matter. God's going to love us the same yesterday, today, and forever. Always. And he says, you've got to be just like me. Be like me. Love and forgive. Give and forgive. Real love will never be complete until you give it away. When you get to share it with somebody, when you get to love, with some, love somebody, that love that you get to experience and that they get to experience when you finally get to give it away that feeling that you get now we measure somebody's love for us by the, the size gift that we give or, or by how much they spend and you we're at the we're right here at christmas and so you're going to a lot of people say well they don't must not like me much they just went to dollar general the night before and grabbed me a baby doll or something you know that's they must not love me too much. They didn't go all out and buy me something nice and fancy and expensive. It's the thought. We always talk about that. It's the thought that counts. They thought enough of you to, to go and, and get you something. But we tend to measure love on a scale of money. They spend a lot on me, so they must like me a lot. They must love me a lot. If y'all love me a lot, um, there's a truck I'm looking at? No. I'm picking at you. That's the way we measure a gift. A gift that really shows love is not necessarily one that costs a lot of money. And once you think about the things that we receive that don't cost a lot of money, they show love because they're personal. I've got one, and I think I brought—I may have brought it last year. But my grandma made me a shirt, or made me a pillow out of my grandpa's shirt. It didn't cost her hardly anything. A lot of tears though put into making that thing that to me is one of the most precious gifts that I've ever received physical gifts is this it's a pillow, it's a denim long sleeve shirt that was my grandpa's. I love that thing, love it to death. She' done it out of love to really show love it has to it's got to cost you something personally, not financially but personally it may cost you some tears it may co- cost you some time but it's going to cost you something personally it's personal something that you have maybe it's something that they've had for years that they've finally given to you just giving away just giving it to you it means a lot to them money you can't put a price tag on something like that something that's been handed down for generations you ever bought a gift for somebody and and then thought, hmm, I'd like to have that. How many times you bought something for somebody tapped it and raised their hand? <laughs> We've all probably did that. Man, I, I've done it. I bought my dad something a couple years ago, and i still got it. I've never given I got him something else. But, man, I really liked it. And so I kept it. I like that. We've all probably done that. <laughs> I like it so much, I'm just going to keep it. That, it happens a lot because we just don't want to give things up. I like it. I'm not going to give that up. I'll get him something else. I'll give him something cheaper. And I'll just keep that for myself. But we hesitated. So we bought this gift to give somebody, and we hesitated to give it to him. Now think of God. God sitting on that throne. Do you think that he hesitated for a moment to give his son? I don't think he did think he batted an eye because of love because he loved us he didn't bat an eye he said they need help they need they need the savior they need a savior and so he gave him his only begotten son he gave them. now the word begotten there's so many definitions to the word begotten but the one that i really like is this one begotten means unique and one-of-a-kind, only begotten son, his unique son, his one-of-a-kind son. There's never been another one, and there'll never be another one like him. Unique, and one-of-a-kind. He gave us the most unique gift that we'll ever receive. It cost him more than any other gift that we could ever imagine, but his love was so great for us, he said, I've I've got to send him I've got to give it I've got to no hesitation but I tell you what that doesn't mean it wasn't difficult now we've all bought them gifts and some of us have kept those gifts that we were supposed to give to somebody but we've also bought those gifts and we've held on to it for a moment to think about do I really want to do this or not do I really want to do this or not and then we did and it was a difficult decision for us to make kind of selfish I guess To give that. But God didn't. He didn't hesitate. Yes, it was difficult. I don't know what was more difficult. I I thought about this a while ago. I don't know what's more difficult. Him sending His only begotten Son from heaven or that time when He turned His back when Jesus hung on the cross. That's two of the most difficult things God ever had to do, probably. To To send somebody out of heaven To send his son, not somebody, but his son from heaven down here to this sin-filled earth and then to turn his back on him when he hung on the cross. But both of those were done out of love. Both of them. Fourth thing, God used love to connect with his people. He loves his people. God loves you. We're his people. And that's how he connects with us. It's through love. He used his creation to help us see His love, if you go back into Genesis and you read uh, any part of the first couple chapters there, he created this magnificent, this wonderful earth in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. He just, he he said, I'm done. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy my creation. In the beginning, he used his words more than anything, though. He spoke things into existence. He spoke, I love it, Keith brought that up this morning. He breathed life into mankind, but the others, he spoke them into existence. He spoke to Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. He spoke to Moses and Samuel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel for two reasons. He spoke to them to let us know how much he loves us and to invite us into a relationship with him. He used them. He spoke to them, and he speaks to us to let us know that he loves us. He talks to us all the time. If you're listening, he talks to you. He'll talk to you and say how much he loves you. And then he's telling you again how much we need him, how much we rely on him. He's he's reminding us that you can do nothing without him. We need that reminder because we tend to get out on our own and try to do our own thing. So he's speaking to us saying, I love you, and you can't do this on your own. Go back, and I was was doing a little research in the Old Testament this week. Hosea, he teaches us to love even when somebody is unfaithful. I was looking at some of the the old prophets back here and the old preachers and and just some of the old scripture in the Old Testament here. Jonah teaches us about God's love for us even when we choose to run from him. You can't outrun God's love. He's going to love you no matter where you go. If you're in the bottom of the boat heading to Tarsus, he's going to love you. If you're on the road to Damascus going to persecute, he's still going to love you. No matter where you go in this life, God's always going to love you. And that love's going to follow you. Amos, he teaches us how he lived among people who had no love for their neighbor. And why we can't live like that. We can't live a life like that. No love for your neighbor. Now God, at some point, he decided, I'm going to use silence. Silence. I'm just not going to speak at all. I'm not going to talk to you at all. So in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, we've got about 400 years in there where nobody heard from God. But then there came a time when all this was not enough. That silence was not enough. And he had to do something. When we can say something over and over and over again, and people just don't understand it, they just don't hear it. Kids are like that, ain't they? We just talk, and we talk, and we talk. We we preach, and we preach, and we preach. Don't do that. You can't do that. You can't say that. You can't do this. And eventually, what are they going to do? They're going to get hurt, and then they're going to listen. Something's going to happen, and they're going to listen. We can say whatever. We can say it till we're blue in the face, and they're just not going to understand it. So there comes a time when we have to do something. So what do we do with our kids? We warn them, don't we? We warn them, don't do that. Don't do that. But at some point, they're going to get spanked. They're going to. They're going to get spanked because we have spoken and spoken and spoken and they don't understand what we're saying, so now we're going to have to act. Now we're going to have to act on it. We're going to have to do something. There come a time when words were just not enough from God. There come a time when he had spoke through the prophets, to the prophets and through the prophets where they were going out and they were preaching and they were telling people about God and how much he loved them and cared for them and how he's going to send uh, a Savior he's going to send a messiah but they just never got it so he said now i got to do something now i'm going to have to step now i'm going to have to show them how much i really love them now i'm going to have to come down out of heaven in the form of my son jesus christ and show them what love looks like god used love to connect with us he used his love he used his son to connect with his people because we needed to see it we needed to experience it firsthand so he sent his only begotten son here on earth to be with us. Number five, last one. Perfect love will cast out fear. That's a Bible verse, by the way. Perfect love will cast out fear. The Bible tells us, that you, and, he, Bible tells us, and you can bank on that. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. The one... Who has fears is not in complete love. If you are scared of hell, then you have not experienced complete love. If if hell scares you you really bad right now, if, if, if the word hell is mentioned and you tremble and you have a fear that you might be there, you have not experienced pure love yet. You have not experienced God's love yet the way that you ought to. That's through salvation that love that you're going to feel, that peace that passes all understanding. When you get on your face and you ask Jesus in your heart, you experience that love. That fear goes away. That fear of hell goes away. We talked about that this morning. That That was a good Bible lesson this morning. It was so good I didn't say nothing. I was really just soaking that up. But Keith said something. He said, I think you said it something like, I don't know what hell's going to be like. We don't, I mean, we know what the Bible says, but hopefully the majority of us here, or all of us here today, are not going to know what hell is like. We're not going to get to experience that. I don't want to experience that. Just what we read in the Bible alone in Revelation is is enough for me to know that i got no place there. I know where my home is, and I'm not going to have to experience that type of torment. But if hell scares you, then you haven't experienced that, Pure love yet of Jesus in your heart. John here is talking about the fear of God's j- judgment, which we was talking about with hell. So if we know Jesus, let me get over here to it. If we know Jesus. Verse four, but look at uh, John three eighteen. It says he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God the perfect love of God drives out the fear of God's judgment when you experience salvation that love of God drives out fear that love of God that he has placed in your heart takes away any any fear any type of scared emotion that you might have about hell takes it out because it's going to get replaced with love and it's going to get replaced with the just the knowing thought that you have a home in heaven now you're not going to the fear of the thought of going to hell does not exist in your mind anymore because you're saved because you've experienced love if you know him today you've got nothing to be afraid of if you don't know him today you've got a lot to be afraid of and i'm gonna end with this right here i have told y'all this story one or two times probably over the years but i never knew where it came from till this week and it's about a man who had a granddaughter named. Her name was Zoe, and that's the Greek word for life. So the the name Zoe means life. She was born prematurely. She weighed eight pound. I'm sorry, one pound seven ounces. She was so little that this guy's wedding ring could slide up her arm all the way to her shoulder. That's a little youngin. One pounds, one pound seven ounces. And he'd take his wedding ring off and slide it up her arm. That's a baby. That's a premature baby right there. So the doctor who first examined her told him that she had a 5 to 10% chance of living for three days. And when he and his wife had scrubbed in and first come in to visit this little girl, their granddaughter, for the first time in, in the ICU, she had three IVs, a monitor on each side of her chest, and a, a breathing tube and feeding tube in her mouth this is what the writer said. He said, To complicate matters, Zoe's father had run off a month before Zoe was born. Realizing this, a wise and caring nurse named Ruth gave me my instructions. For the next several months, at least, you are the surrogate father. Now, this is what he said. Now, listen to this part. It says, I want you to come to the hospital every day to visit Zoe. And when you come, I want you to rub her body and her legs and her arms with the tip of your finger. While you're caressing her, you should tell her over and over how much you love her. Because she has to be able to connect your voice to your t- touch. And he says though he survived. You've got to be able to connect. She's got to be able to connect your voice to your touch. I've, I remember that. I, the first time I ever read that story was when my nephew Cody was... Uh, when he was born down at Baptist. Folks, that's that's the perfect image of God right there. Knowing his touch and knowing his voice and putting the two together, I can't explain to you how great a feeling that is. You know he's there and you can hear him. I don't care if they're 15, if they're 10, or 2 months old. I love to be able to hug my kids and tell them I love them. Nothing greater than to get a hold of your kids and love on them and just tell them how much you love them. I don't care how old they are. Don't ever don't ever not do that. Every chance you get, hold them and love them. God knew that we also needed both His voice and His touch. So He gave us not only the Word, but He gave us His Son. And now we have the Holy Spirit. So we get to experience it all the time, the voice and the touch. But not only did He give us Jesus, but He also gave us His body, which is the church, because we need one another. We need one another. He gave us that. So we can love on one another. (laughs) Pre-COVID, we can love on one another. But we can at least still say, I love you, even though we might not be able to hug as much as we used to. God's voice and his touch, both of them say, I love you. If I get a hold of Paisley or Abby and I, I pat them on the head, they know when I pat them a certain way that that, I don't have to even say I love you. They know what that means. Grab them, hug them a little bit. They know that means I love them. That means a lot. God's voice and his touch, when you hear it and you feel it, it means I love you. I love you. Stand with me. We're going to close out. All I want for Christmas is love. I bet every one of y'all will leave here and you're going to go find the Beatles song. ain't you? Sing it all the way home. I'm riding by myself, so I'll sing the whole way home. If you've not experienced the love of Jesus and you've got a fear of hell, what a day it'd be to accept him. What a day. To experience that touch, to experience that voice, that still small voice in your heart. He's calling. He'll never quit calling. As long as this world spins and there's breath in us, he's going to keep calling. He's going to keep loving us. But those that are lost, he's going to keep calling, saying, come on home. Come on home. Door's open. Plenty of room at the table. I'll prepare you a place. Just come on home. Let's pray. Father God, this evening as we close out, God, we, again, we'll never be able to thank you enough for your love. God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as, as we approach this Christmas holiday, as as we look and honor the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, oh, Lord, I can't imagine been willing to show your love in such a great way as to send your son down to this earth to be that perfect sacrifice, to be that lamb, to be that sacrificial lamb, to be the last sacrifice that we will ever need. Lord, we want to thank you this morning for giving us this opportunity, for giving us this free will to make that decision whether or not we want to love you or not. Lord, I'm so thankful I've made the decision to love you and to never stop loving you. And Lord, as, as it was said, the two things that we can do that be more like you would be to, to love, to give that love, and to forgive those that, that do us wrong. God, I pray today that it would convict the hearts that the ones that are here to do just that, to be a more loving people, to be uh, to give more love freely than we've ever given before, but also to forgive, to forgive freely, to forgive those that have done us wrong, to forgive those that have said or done something against us or towards us, Lord, give us, give us what we need to forgive and to be more like you and to forget it as well. Lord, as we leave this place today, I pray that you'd protect each one of us that are here. And Lord, we just thank you for those that are here. And I pray that you bring us back here Wednesday night for Bible study. And God, I pray that you bring us back here next Sunday for another message from you and for uh, the, the play as well. And God, I pray that you'd bless those that are involved in it too. May it just touch somebody's heart. And move in a great way. We love you. Lord, today we praise you. I'll your son's name. We pray. Amen. All right, y'all are dismissed.